37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a super exciting episode of Pixelated Paranormal. This is episode 305. My name is Sean. I'm back to wearing a tank top today. And with me, as always, is Preston. Presto, buddy, how are you? What's up, all you cool ghosts and goblins, you crocodiles, crocodingos, you skeletors, skeletons, and witchers and witches and whatever the fuck else you want to be? Well, my refrigerator went the fuck out, so it's like two years Ooh. old and... um. It ain't blowing cold, I'll tell you that. It ain't mm-hmm. blowing cold. So That is not good, man. Yeah, daddy's not a happy camper. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that, man. That sucks. I am yeah. I'm really sorry, dude. Yeah. That's fucking brutal. Ugh. The good news here is that we're back for another episode about creepy toys, dangerous toys in hell. We might even talk about murderous toys. Who knows? That's right, folks. It's the holiday season. But we got to also introduce our special guest on this episode because with us tonight we have the one and only toy making wizard himself, Baba Drock. Baba, how are you, man? Welcome back. Oh, thanks, thanks, thanks. I'm excellent, dude. I'm uh, chilling, literally up here, getting cold finally, and uh, making toys. Yeah. So. yeah. I'm excellent. Hell yeah, dude. What's the temperature like up there where you're at right oh, now? Oh, it's not bad. It's just now hitting freezing and in the 40s in the day. It was like frozen frost all day today. Like, or fog. Oh. <laughs> frozen fog all day today. <laughs> it was frost all over yeah. everything because it was just like ice in the air. So that was cool. <laughs> wow. Yeah. We had a pretty good fog the other night here too. In Kansas, we get that kind of weird like subtropic weather. Uh, I've heard they've actually categorized it as, and we had some real thick pea soup fog and everything just completely iced over, you know, all the, the um, furniture on the deck and everything else was just, yeah. you know, pretty exactly. Yeah. 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 It's just ice in the air. It's great, <laughs> but yeah, it's great making toys and uh, the cold's not good for resin. So uh, <laughs> I got good heaters out here, so I'm all right. Hell yeah, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, speaking of resin, Preston, you're going to kind of, Dip your toes in the toy making too, right? Tell them what you're going to get a hold of. Here pretty quick. <laughs> so I don't know the I don't know the model or anything, but I got a a buddy who's got a buddy down in Oklahoma that just bought a new resin printer, and he's like, "Fuck it, I don't need this one." And so he's like, "It's yours." And so I'm going to get a resin printer. Nice, very nice, so, very yeah, nice. Yeah, I have yeah. thought about it. I'm like, I might get a small one here soon because everything's real tight in here, but. uh it's oh man the stuff you can do the stuff you can do with those things man everybody's getting into them and uh it saves so much time on sculpting yeah the the yeah. 3d scan yeah. 3d scanners are relatively cheap now so you can get a yep. small 3d scanner make one scan it make the stl file fucking print that shit it's like a factory over here baby exactly oh my god yeah yep precisely yeah. it makes it so much easier I'm wicked jealous of all the guys that are doing their own stuff on those things. <laughs> someday, someday we'll get there. It's interesting too, like sculpting versus printing. I mean, I think there's an art to both of them, but like Preston, you got your, you know, experience in sculpting anyway, because you've got, you know, your pottery wheel and you've done sculpting before. So, I mean, I'd be yeah. interested to see what you could do with both of those things. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The combination. 
Because I figured, you know, like, look, yeah. you, sculpt, you sculpt it first, and then basically I'm just uh, making a 3D scan, and that's my mold, and uh, then mm-hmm. I'm just fucking fast-producing that shit. So We've been super stoked about this episode, man, because you yourself are, you know, a toy-making wizard. I've actually got uh, about four things here lined up of yours that you've done. Um, Presto and I are both big fans, man. I got a GI ghost. I got a GI ghost. Oh, guy. dude, you got one of them. That's, am- that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I've got a, a Bigfoot soldier, of course, the Mopinguari, the uh, drop bear that I got to work with you on, and then uh, in the back, still probably my absolute favorite is your Capitello um, Ninja Turtle Kappa. Oh man, those amalgam are, man. Thank you guys so much. Those are I, I love. It. It's so much fun. It's so much fun to make these things that I just think are cool toys, and you know, are <laughs> the stuff that. Uh, I'm into that we're into like cryptids, monsters mixed with also toys and eighties, nineties pop culture. Yeah, dude. Crap. Just the best, man. I don't think it's... you could combine anything cooler than those things. Um, I think you may have answered the question back when you were on our episode about the drop bear, but I wanted to go ahead and ask you again quickly, what got you into toy making, man? Why did you want to become a toy maker? Oh, well, I was, and still am, I, though I do it less, a, a painter, you know, visual artist, uh-huh. Uh-huh. do lots of acrylic painting, big stuff. And uh, somebody had approached me about painting. I was doing lots of paintings of Bigfoot. I'm up here in the Northwest and I'm like, I think I found like a subject that I could do all sorts of stuff on. And so I was painting lots uh-huh. of Bigfoot. And uh, so somebody that was making resin Bigfoots got in contact with me and was like hey do you want one of these if you, like i'll give you one of these they sell for quite a bit you know if you do me a painting like, oh mm-hmm. most definitely absolutely and then somebody else who was also making another different bigfoot thing contacted me and was like hey you want to paint i'm like yeah definitely and uh so i got to talking to him and first one was anisal they make uh legendary bigfoot and yeah yeah man um and uh, one of these little guys right here i've actually got a cute oh foot. my gosh yeah i love the cute foot i don't have one of those guys little rad little so guys. Adorable. those are awesome uh, and then uh, yeah those are super my cool. good buddy extra truck estriel and he has sort mm-hmm. of been my mentor in this whole thing and he was making Bigfoot stuff and I followed him and he shared a couple of videos yeah. and he was making silicone molds out of Legos. And I was like, got one of his guys too. Nice. And I was like, that looks so fun and cool. And I started seeing more mm-hmm. people, a couple more folks making toys. And so I watched some videos and was like, I'm going to buy that because I love toys. I've always had a collection like since, forever i moved Mm -hmm. out of my when i moved out of my parents house i brought my toy shelf with me i was like a dork in the party house with four other dudes and i had a giant toy shelf (laughs) full of dragon ball z and ninja turtles and stuff and uh, so yeah i was like this works perfect i love painting and making art of this type of stuff make the card backs Mm -hmm. and do all sorts of stuff and i could make toys that i would want to make and customize them and just opened up a whole world to like combine artistic interests into something that seems super yeah. fun and is very fun. So hell yeah, man. And I, I noticed like you mentioned, you know, extra trick restrial and Anasau and everybody else, uh, street farts as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. The community is so fucking huge, man. Yeah. I think you work with street farts on the Mop. Yeah, he's Warrior. a Portland graphic artist. Does 
by the name, you can tell it does like uh, lowbrow, great humor. That's <laughs> awesome. Always doing great yep. stuff. Yep. Big sticker packs for cheap street farts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Easy to remember. But yeah, the community is so big, man, and so welcoming. And it's just really rad to see that like nobody's really up their own ass about it. And everybody's kind of working with each other and kind of collaborating and stuff like that, man. So it's it's rad. I love it. Is it fair to call it bootleg toy making or is there a more prestigious name that's, for it now? That's the name that has stuck because it kind of mm -hmm. spawned from that. Like th those, that's what sort of inspires a lot of everybody is the Mexican and Polish bootlegs of all this stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But then certain people early that started the scene were like doing art pieces by making bootleg toys. And so that's yeah, really what yeah. spawned the scene. Like the a guy named the suck Lord and killer bootlegs and stuff like making art pieces out of what used to be just rip off toys. And so it's a whole new thing, mm -hmm. but yeah, the term bootleg toys stuck. Uh, people are now trying to call it more officially like artist made action figures or artist made figurines yeah, or yeah, yeah. something like that. But, but yeah, bootleg toys is the uh, umbrella moniker for everything. <laughs> Even though what you yeah, see yeah. now is like custom 3d printed stuff that that's created on their own and resin printed in multicolors. And you're like, that's in no way a bootleg <laughs> toy. That's not a toy. That's a, just a crazy art piece but it's in the same community being the same same guys making them so yeah exactly i think what's cool too is like you have other artists who are kind of continuing on different practices of like making ninja turtles that no one's heard of or like one thing i love like presto you can probably get into this too with a resin printer, you can make like giant versions of stuff. Oh, yeah. You don't have to re-sculpt it. Like you can blow up, make two foot tall Ninja Turtles, man. Uh, it's it's just so wild to me, the different options there, that you can go on and make. Man. There's a guy who did, goes by Kerf Loss, and he did all the research he mm -hmm. could into how they made the original Star Wars action figures with like the wax sculpting and the book mm -hmm. starter molds and how everything and has taken everybody through the process of making his own figures in that exact same style and scale. And right, oh, right. man, like experimenting with all the different waxes going through recipes from back then. And like, it's just amazing. It's, I mean, from that to people who just, you know, copy a Chewbacca or a Boba Fett figure at a resin and fill it with glitter. And it's like, both ends of the spectrum are just amazing. Like, yeah, yep. I I would yep. like to see like the style of He-Man figures. So just fucking swole action <laughs> figures, but like do like Star Wars, like a like a swole like Jabba the Hut uh, with fucking <laughs> like muscles. And uh, I, I think that'd be a hit. Like, I know I've kids. seen a couple. I don't think I've seen Jabba the Hutt, though. That, that one's good. That made me laugh. <laughs> Man, Preston sent me a meme the other day, and it was Jabba the Hutt twerking. I forget what it's called, Jabba the Butt. <laughs> but, oh, man, that could be an action figure, man. It's so rad, yeah. Well, that's awesome, dude. I'm glad that our paths have crossed, oh, man, and you've become a friend of the show. And 
it's been pretty rad and there's nobody else better to talk about toys with than you buddy so oh, thanks so much for having me absolutely always well, you know, always good to talk to you guys and talk toys and ghosts oh, yeah. and spooky stuff well let's kick it off with some some round robin questions before we get into the uh, toys we're going to talk about tonight um Presto and Drock, what are your favorite toys from your childhood? I know you kind of mentioned stuff earlier, Drock, but Presto, you start, man. What do you got? What were your favorite ones from childhood? So my uh, my favorite action figures were the line of Toxic Crusaders. Uh, I had I had the uh, you know the skateboard that Toxie rode on. Um, whatever the bad guy was from that cartoon, um, I had his little like smog airplane that he rode in on, and then. The 1992 uh, Batman Returns Batmobile that broke apart, like in the movie. Um, I fucking wanted that thing so bad. And uh, my uh, my grandmother brought over these Christmas presents, and she had one that had my cousin's name on it. So it was like Danny. And I'm like, why the fuck did you bring this over, Grandma? Danny's not coming over. <laughs> She's like, oh, I must have brought it over by mistake. And so I went through all these fucking toys, opened them up, and I was heartbroken. Cause I didn't get my goddamn Batmobile, and she's like, "Uh, go ahead and see what Danny got." I don't, I don't know. And I opened it up, and there was my Batmobile, and I was like, "Yeah, Christmas one." <laughs> Amazing, amazing stuff, man. Hell yeah, Brock. What about you, man? Oh man, uh, I mean, my definite, definite favorite line is the you know original TMNT Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles line from the early '90s, like was basically all i collected for i mean for those for that chunk of years i had to get everything mm-hmm. all of them there they were just awesome that was uh the bulk of it dude but uh the toxic avengers were also i think done by playmates or the toxic crusaders playmates yep. were also playmates mm-hmm. so like they were that same quality same feel and everything i loved them i had uh oh man major disaster i think and maybe somebody else, but those ones were harder to find. Those yeah. are great. Still super hard to find. But yeah, definitely Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I collected whatever. <laughs> I didn't have any huge collections. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of hand-me-down He-Mans, few hand-me-down Transformers. Dino Riders? Hmm. Dino Riders were awesome. My yeah. <laughs> During my prime toy years, we were over in Japan. So I are like, we had one... American toy store or not even American toy store, American store, like the, the Navy freaking depot. I don't remember what it was called right now, but it was like the Walmart, you know, without groceries. It was the everything store that was on base. Yeah. Like the the BX, right? Oh man. I don't think that's what it was called, but it was something like that. Yeah. (laughs) But the year Ninja Turtles came out, it like emptied out that day because all the parents knew what was going on and were there mm-hmm. and my parents showed up and there was no figures nothing but i got a turtle van that year and so all my yeah, friends yeah. that had figures, I, that I had a van <laughs> Dude, let's go we'll roll man i got it yeah yeah yeah. we're gonna make this work oh, we're gonna make this work just fine that's cool man i was a military brat so is presto um I grew up in Texas for the first couple of years of my life, and we had a little shop like that on base. It was called like the BX. I think they're also called like the AXPXs, maybe. But like you said, like a general store with like clothing and shoes. Yeah, everything. Um, like. Some stuff like that. And yeah, knickknacks and stuff like that. But yeah, man, I grew up the same era, man. My brother and I, we had um, the real Ghostbuster toys, which were just amazing. 
um, tons of He-Man toys, and then oh yeah, we did get those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, eighties and nineties was just the coolest toys. Yeah, and then by from like, by the time I got back to America in eighty nine ninety, I was like ten. I was kind of still into Ninja Turtles and like the Predator mm-hmm. Alien line was first coming out when they were first yeah, pumping dude. out those like crazy ones, and so I was kind of into those. Mm-hmm. Collected a bunch of those. My little brother collected way more of those. He was into those for years. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how my brother and I were too. Like I grew up on his turtle. I mean, on his uh, He-Man and Ghostbusters and stuff. And then I got into turtles as he was kind of getting a little older and kind of moving out of that. But... but he still got to see all the cool ones that were coming out when you picked them up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I just discovered the other day that I didn't know this was a, a game, but apparently uh, Capcom uh, or Konami, uh, who did Turtles in Time? Was it Capcom? I think it was. Cool. I thought it was Konami. Konami, I think. Konami. Okay. So yeah. they they made another uh, arcade cabinet, and it was Aliens vs. Predator, and you had two mm. Predators, and then, like, Dutch, or so Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then some chick, and it was a four-player, like, beat-em-up, just like Turtles in Time. Uh, so I watched, like, some f- some fucker on YouTube play that for, like, three hours the other day, and I'm like, how the <laughs> fuck did I not know that this existed? Like, I would have totally wasted my childhood, you know, yeah, like, allowance every week, started. going to the arcades, smashing the fuck out of those buttons, so... <laughs> Dude, yeah. My brother found an emulator that was a side-scrolling beat-em-up of He-Man, which was pretty rad, too. Uh, We played that. And again, video game making is kind of like toy making. Like, there's a lot of bootlegs out there, and like, if you can animate some sprites, you can make some real cool shit. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) You know it? Well, I I was a big Team NT fan as well. Um, Super 7 makes some pretty cool you know, designer toys. I've got this big old beefy bad boy, Muckman. Muckman. Was my... Dude, he was my absolute favorite. He comes with a little Joe eyeball here. My favorite all-time action figure. Back before they marked these things up to like 60 bucks a pop. I think this was like 30, which is still kind of stupid to buy. But I mean, also it's Muckman, so give me a break. Speaking of, yeah. That's a hard time standing I can't remember the artist's name right now. Totally escaping me. But I saw a guy who just made like a 30-inch Muckman resin printed. Jeez. (laughs) Like, oh, it's giant, dude. It was monstrous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know DeFoot uh, Toys and Turbo Pork and some of those guys are really heavy. And but I think I know who you're talking about because I saw someone made a giant scumbug not too long ago. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, the funny thing about Playmates is um, down in Paul's Valley, Texas, like right as you're leaving Oklahoma, getting into Texas, there's an action figure toy museum down there. And it's super rad. And if you find yourself down there, it's worth a little detour. The guy that runs it, his name is Kevin Stark. And like, I'll make this story quick, but we were kind of meandering through this, um, this museum and my wife kind of ventured off away from me and I'm standing there in front of a playmate display of like all these turtles. And I'm just kind of, (laughs) you know, simultaneously thinking like, I know how I blew that one up. I knew what I did to that one. That one got shot by a BB gun. I had like 40 some turtles, man. I was very, very blessed in the turtle department growing up. (laughs) And like this dude keeps kind of shadowing me walking around and he's wearing like a real nice suit and tie. And his hair's pulled back in a real nice ponytail. And he's wearing like flip flops. And finally, like he gets close enough where like I have to make small talk. And so he kind of beats me to the chase and says, hey, so are you uh, you a collector? And I was like, oh, man, nothing like any of this. Like I got some cool stuff at home, but like I'm just a nerd who collects toys. Come to find out this is his whole collection. He used to be one of the illustrators that worked at Playmates. Oh, and so they'd awesome. come to him and say, all right, man, this is the guy. His name's, you know, Muckman. He's made out of trash. 
and, you know, sketch it up. What's it look like? Once it's basically approved, it would go off to the sculptor who would sculpt it based off his sketches. He was telling me the tale of basically how Toxic Crusaders pretty much kind of did Playmates in because they had such success with Turtles and Turtles are starting to slow down. And so the owners are like, we need more stuff, make more cool stuff. They got the rights to the Toxic Avenger, made a whole line. And all of a sudden, kids are like, oh, my God, you know, Major Disaster and Toxie. These are so cool. Yeah, yeah. And then Turtle Sales, I mean, all but just slid off the table. <laughs> and then Toxic Avenger shot straight up. And basically, they were fighting with themselves and ended up kind of putting themselves under. Um, so they kind of shot themselves in the foot. Because, yeah, I was because I had outgrown Turtles. But then the Toxic Crusaders came out and like. I was actually already a fan, though I I don't know if I had seen the Toxic Avenger movie yet, but I knew of it mm-hmm. even at like 11, 12, because I had seen a giant cardboard cutout at uh, the local video rental place with my grandma. And I'm like, dude, I yeah. need to see whatever that is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever like, that thing is wearing a tutu. I gotta yeah, it was watch a that giant shit, cardboard yeah. of Toxie. And I was like, oh, my God. And then yeah. the cartoons were on when, you know, a year or two later or whatever, when I was back home. And like, <laughs> this is phenomenal. Yeah, and but I wasn't as into Turtles. That makes total sense. That's so funny and horrible. (laughs) Yeah, it was just like ever so slightly more mature than Turtles was. And it had just a little bit more of a, uh, you know, presence about it that kind of was lustrous to kids who were like, you know, going out of grade school into middle school. But they were still kind of cool toys. And um, Presto, there's a side scrolling game coming out here pretty quick. It's going to be a Toxic Crusaders uh, side scroller like Turtles in Time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man. Fucking sign me up. Yeah, we got super lucky. And in Wichita, there is the Tallgrass Film Festival every October. And last year, Lloyd Kaufman, the creator of Toxic Avengers, he rolled through town. And we actually got to watch uh, Toxic Avenger with him. He did live commentary. Got to meet him afterwards. Super cool guy. Nicest that dude you could awesome. ever meet. Oh, yeah. He's hilarious. Every time you see videos yeah. of him, he's just nice and hilarious. Like, yeah, <laughs> you couldn't imagine a nicer dude. Like I went in there with a couple drawings I did of Toxie. I was like, hey, you know, I drew this for you. I signed it, put a little note on it for him. And he's like, hey, you should bring me a stack of these tomorrow morning. I'll sign 50 or 60 of them for you. And you can sell these things all over eBay. Oh, and I just remember thinking to myself, well, shit, I only made six. <laughs> <laughs> small run yeah. and like this dude's totally cool didn't charge doesn't charge for autographs and he's just like yeah make a few bucks man that's cool and i just oh that's so sweet that's awesome i know but well what do you guys think it is about like the toys from like our generation that was so captivating to not only hook us as children but like just strongly keep us in their grasp like nowadays as we're guys you know our age um, I won't, you know, give away our age, but I mean, <laughs> guys, our age and older, you know, what makes it so cool about these toys that we still love these things as much as we did? I think by that time they were like really nailing down archetypes and stuff like through mm-hmm. the 70s and early 80s. They were experimenting with the, the most out there characters and like by the yeah. later 80s and, you know, mid later 80s, 90s, they were really figuring out like uh what personalities and looks would sell to kids. And so Mm -hmm. by nailing down these like strong archetypal characters, it has uh, real resonance. Everybody can relate to different people, different or different characters, different ways, or, you know, see themselves as 
one of these things or wish they were. And, yeah. and also, you know, a big part of our generation stuck at being 12. So there's that too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. That's why you have companies like super seven and NECA who are like, yeah, all those kids from the eighties and nineties, they're now in like their thirties and forties and they got money. So now we can remake turtles and sell them for, you know, 10 times what they were. Or like, um, you know, NECA has got their hands in these universal monsters. You know, they'll drop 30 bucks for, you know, um, a Boris Karloff mummy. Because, oh, yeah, all these nerds, now they have money. They don't have allowances. They have jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Presto, what do you think, man? Why are you still into this kind of stuff as, you know, an adult? I, I, I think the, uh, you know, the biggest part of it is the tie-ins to the cartoons that uh, they use yeah. to promote these toys so like you know watching like the gi joe movie right or the transformers movie and those fucking killer 1980s soundtrack and then like the next christmas they had the fucking gi joe you know, $300 fucking Air Force carrier that every kid wanted that hardly any of us got. And these toys were just so cool. Like, <laughs> you have the Ghostbusters movie and they have, like, this full-on, like, proton pack and, like, the, uh, you know, little ghost trap. And the tie-ins, like, so all the stuff that, like, reminds me of my childhood. And then the tie-ins, like, with these movies are, like, you know, making the Saturday morning cartoons uh what was the uh there was the one that uh, they had like the uh, skeletons that uh that you know flew around on like little motorized bikes and uh, they're like the skeleton warriors or whatever it was and uh you know they had like a, a couple oh, years later they yeah, made a ps yeah. ps1 game um you had the saturday morning cartoon um so there, there are all those different tie-ins like the uncanny X-Men, like when Fox made that, but then you actually got the line of action figures that matched the shit that you were watching on Saturday morning. Or like you think of TMNT, like it became so popular that like you would watch the show and then like a couple months later they would produce the action figure. You're like, oh, I just watched that episode. That was my favorite episode. Now I got little Raphael and like, you know, a, a fucking astronaut suit. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah. You, you yeah. don't really... you. Don't, you don't really get that nowadays. Now it's just like, yeah, they have like some shitty Hollywood movie and they make some crappy action figures and then that's it. But there's no other tie-in um, like they had back in like the 80s and the 90s. And so I think that's why it's so memorable. Like, because now not only do I still have a lot of those action figures from when I was out of childhood, but, you know, me and the kids can actually get on voodoo get on youtube and actually watch these cartoons and they're like oh it's fucking uh -huh. rad dad i'm like i know it is fucking rad nerd oh absolutely yeah <laughs> we, yep. enoch's or my son's pretty pretty selective about uh the cartoons but yeah some of them he really loves and like but yeah that all goes back to uh the power of advertising and like uh yeah the dude. originator of like the first one that really set off this like toy collecting scene is he-man and I mean, that was a yeah. cartoon made to sell the toys. Like they had the toys and they're like, Literally, we're going yeah. to make a cartoon to sell these toys. Yeah. And every Saturday morning, we're going to have a 20 minute commercial. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that kids. But I did it. I did it. I sat there with my gray skull and my He-Man, my Skeletor, and then my bowl of Fruity Pebbles. And I would reenact the episode as they're doing it <laughs> blow for blow, man. Just spilling cereal everywhere i made a uh 
One time I, I got a bowl of milk and I put it under the trap door of Castle Grayskull and put all the cereal on top of it. I dropped the cereal through the trap door into my bowl because that's how big of a dork I was. That is phenomenal. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think I think you guys nailed it though, man. It all it all rests back up to nostalgia, man. Um we were watching the new Ghostbusters, my brother and I, and um there's that scene. I won't ruin much for anybody, but by now I hope you would have watched it. But there is a scene when they're in that town that ghost comes flying around the corner and it's got the big old eyeball on the forehead and the little arms. And the bug eyed ghost was the action figure that was based off of. And like, I'll be damned if I didn't get teary eyed and my nose burning when that thing came around <laughs> the corner. Cause that was like my favorite ghost from the ghostbuster toys, man. Yeah. You squeeze its body and the eyeball shoots out. Yeah. Yeah. Feet. Yeah. Absolutely. It was so red. It was absolutely red. Well, what's cool now too, like I don't have any kids, you know, of my own, but uh, our niece, Monica, she's really big into turtles and it's almost too much to keep up with. Cause like, you know, we had the Ninja Turtles. That was the cartoon. Now you've got like the 2000, what was it? 2002, 2003, 2004, you know, when it came out oh, as yeah. a little bit more adult then then you had the, the 2012 and then you had the rise of the Ninja Turtles and then you have the new mutant mayhem, like. She's just just chewing this stuff up, man. She's got a bunch of mutant mayhem toys, and it's just incredible that something can survive that long. And like now, I can sit here and not only be proud of her, but also argue with her <laughs> that no, in fact, the 1989's toy uh, toys and TV show was the best, <laughs> and they should not have mythical powers. But I have you watched the the mutant mayhem? <laughs> like it's great, actually. Oh yeah, 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 yeah dude, it's fucking awesome. Yep. Yeah, apparently there's a sequel movie, and then after the movie, they'll have a series on Paramount. Nice. So strap in, boys. We're going to be well into our 50s digging on turtles. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's shift gears a little bit here and kind of get uh, on track for the topic. What's the creepiest toy you guys remember from childhood? Is there anything that stood out to you guys that was just like batshit crazy terrifying? Like, no. Uh <laughs> So Teddy Ruxpin always seemed really cool, you know, and I got to, yeah, we, yeah. I never got one. Well, I didn't get one right when they came out. I first will like watch the cartoon. I think there was a movie and stuff and I'm like, Oh, Teddy Ruxpin's awesome. And then when mm -hmm. I first saw one, it was already old and beat up <laughs> and like the batteries were dying. Uh, yeah. So we're trying <laughs> so, to talk like, like this thing is terrifying. This is not cool. Like yeah. it's not brightly colored and soft and fluffy. Like, <laughs> it just kept mumbling brains over and over. Any of those like talking dolls or uh the anything uh anim animatronic and talking can be yeah super freaky. Um I'm glad you brought that up because my brother and I had an animatronic toy I want to say it came from a garage sale or like a secondhand kind of situation, but this thing was called Mr. Game Show. And I told the story many, many, many moons ago, but it's like this little guy and like a giant cartoon head and his jaw would flap and his head would turn around. It was kind of like, like a wheel of fortune monopoly esque game. But this thing, it would turn itself on in the middle of the night constantly. And just, it had these really weird, slightly offensive put downs as well. Like it would just kind of, you know, insult your intelligence, call you names and stuff like that. If you weren't smart enough to answer the questions. And my brother just messaged me the other day and he's like, Hey, when you guys talk about haunted toys, make sure you mention the fucking Mr. Game show. This thing was just the wildest. I don't even know how to describe it. Just, just terrifying, man. And it would just wake up in the middle of the night 
and just turn on and just start going to town on the insults for no reason. It was just really weird. Wow. That that is so bizarre. Yeah. Like Okay. <laughs> so one of the only other notes I have here that's like a creepy toy, you know, old school stuff is my uh wife, but then girlfriend, like shortly after mm-hmm. high school or whatever. Uh she had a game called You Don't Know Jack that was a quiz that was a talking yeah. quiz oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was similar to like, you know, insulting in your uh, when you got it wrong and would come on and be loud and obnoxious and uh, would do it at all hours of the night and would le- just do it randomly huh. and then start like buzzing and do shit. And I'm like, that <laughs> is so bizarre that it's the same type of uh, same type of feeling there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could chalk it up to just, you know, batteries turning on, batteries about to die, stuff like that. Or a ghost in the machine, which is what I kind of want to lie on, you know, with Mr. Game Show, something Kevin and I talked about was like, it didn't just kick on and start the game up. It would kick on and just start insulting you. (laughs) See, the thing about uh, things with batteries and things with the ability to speak and stuff like that, they make great conduits for any sort of thing that wants to use it. If for yeah, yeah, communicative purposes or whatever type of purposes, like it's a great yeah, way to uh, like any sort of spirit box or stuff that you expect them to talk through. Why wouldn't they use yeah. something that has flickering electricity and the ability to say stuff? And ah, uh, uh, yeah. So of course it could just be the batteries, but. All, yeah, you yeah, know, sure. could be anything. They make great. <laughs> yeah, like you said, a conduit. Preston, it's kind of like the uh, exactly those. Um, oh, what do you call those? I just had it, like the obelisk that we were using, and like the uh, spirit boxes that go through the radio channels yeah. and flick out words that are already on the airwaves. Yeah, should have just brought a Mister Game Show. <laughs> I know. I was gonna say, Kevin, if you're listening, when you listen, we need to bring Mr. Game Show on a ghost hunt and just have that thing just put us down constantly. Just turn it on and be like, "All right, do you have anything to say? You fucking suck. Yeah. You're a loser. If there's any spirits here, can you please, you know, just move the ball? It looks like we have ourselves a wiener. I mean, winner. <laughs> okay, well, rounding it out here, what's the creepiest toy you've ever come across? Now, as an adult, have you seen any weird commercials? Have you come across stuff, you know, secondhand that you've, like, you know, found in a Goodwill or, like, at a garage sale? Presto, yeah. anything, buddy? I went to a, uh, the wife and I, uh, you know, we had this thing where we go out uh, to, uh, like, antique stores. Like, we go through a small town, we'll stop at an antique store. And we were up in McPherson one time, and we stopped at the this antique mall, and they had this doll from like the 1920s and it was like this little like fat kid with like a bull head cut and he was like <laughs> you're talking about me in the fifth grade yeah but he had like a almost like a like a dutch boy like kind of like outfit like a red coat and like short shorts but like the face looked like it had been like melted and like it was just so fucking creepy and it had like the glass eyes and it was like 180 bucks. And I'm just like, fuck, I bet this thing is haunted. Uh, I think we should buy it. And she's like, I don't want that thing in our house. Like, I don't I right. know. Right. Like, if I have to wake up in the middle of the night and I get up to go use the bathroom and I see that thing, I will have a fucking heart attack and die. And you will be the reason of my death. And I'll be like, uh, you're right. So we won't get it. But I want just it. put it in your he shed next to uh, what Lazarus is going to send you. Yeah. Come on, Lazarus. Come <laughs> your on. shed of things we don't talk about. <laughs> 
What about you, Drock, man? Have you come across yeah. anything that was batshit crazy? No, but I mean, that that's like the whole thing. is In all the research I did, or, you know, since you guys asked me, I'm like, I'm going to watch and look up a bunch of stuff. I make more like action figure type art. I didn't find sure, sure. anything about haunted action figures. I think they're ghost proof. Yeah. As far as that goes. I think they are too, but, man. <laughs> spirits don't get anywhere near He-Man or Skeletor. Exactly. <laughs> but dolls or anything stuffed or yeah. anything that has fake eyes, yeah, like dude. just dozens and dozens of stories, tons and tons. Like, I mean, yep. the same. I don't, I haven't, there's certain dolls and stuff out there that's like creepy, but nothing that's been haunting. It's like recent as an adult that I'm, I, I have a, some friends in the art toy scene that makes them like super, if you want to call it haunting or like people that aren't weirdo art <laughs> fans or horror art fans might be like, wow, that's terrifying. Right. But, but no, uh, but yeah, with the dolls, like one of the creepiest things, this goes way back to when I was a kid, my, we were in yeah. Japan. And so we both, my dad was on Westpac. He was gone out on the, you know, on somewhere in the Navy. And we had made good friends with this other family who had two boys and a mom. So we would always stay at their house, me and my brother and my mom mm -hmm. over at their house. And it was an older Japanese house, weird storage room. Bathroom was like half outside, all stone. It was cool. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had, her mom loved to keep creepy ass ceramic dolls with like, or, you know, the like, fabric dolls with the ceramic faces and like in rocking chairs oh, in their spare yeah. room and like on the bed <laughs> and everything. And those things definitely freaked me out. I didn't want to touch them, but at, at yep. their house with those kids, it made me think I'm like, that's the only place I maybe saw a ghost or something. Like we saw an orb <laughs> in their spare room. <laughs> we, me and the kids were, me and the other two boys were running around and opened the door and saw like just this ball of light floating in front of there it was it was in front of like a picture with glass but there wasn't a light behind us mm -hmm. or any light on in the room and we all were terrified and went and ran in their room and hid and like i was thinking about their house thinking about the dolls and i was like oh dude got all i felt it again i was like oh yeah that was creepy as crap it could have been a light. It could have been something, but like all three of us boys were like freaking out immediately. And yep. like, but yeah, no, like, no, they had super creepy dolls. Dolls are creepy in general. If I see something that I'm like, that's creepy, uh, creepy toy. I like it. Yeah. So I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> You're checking the price exactly, on it and see yeah. what shipping is going to yeah, be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. You got it, man. You got it, man. The things that creep me out, um, do you, are you familiar with the Anna Lee elves? They're like little Christmas dolls. They're like stuffed. I think the original ones were stuffed with like probably sawdust. If you guys have a chance, Google Anna Lee elves. They're creepy little hand-painted little Christmas dolls. They still creep me out as an adult. And Shayla also uh, learned I have kind of a weird unbridled fear of like just vintage Santa Claus dolls. Like you said, Drock, the ones that have like a hard head that'll have like a plush body and they have this kind of a weird grin where they're kind of like just looking over to the sides, smiling. Those things creep me out. We go to antique stores and she'll find them and she'll be like, all right, I'm going to get this one. And not only are they entirely too pricey, but they're entirely too scary as well. But those things creep me the hell out, dude. Annalie 
anything she does just freaks me out, man. Oof. Those are great. They remind me. They uh, are. Yes. Oh, man. I have these two that I got from my grandma that are. Uh-huh. I wasn't sure. Like, I figured they were some kind of elves. They're just in green, weird tights. They have giant bald heads oh. and kind of pointy ears. Gross. Oh, dude, they look like greys with elf ears, kind of. And they're like sitting oh, in like yeah. counter almost Burt Reynolds poses, like they're bookend pieces. And they're these weird little <laughs> sitting elves with these giant. And I didn't really realize they were elves until my wife said it earlier this year. Because they haven't had, they probably had felt hats or they probably had hats of yeah, some kind. Yeah. But now they just have these giant egg shaped heads and they're these little dudes in green suits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I like them because they remind me of, uh, like, I can't remember any alien abduction stories right off the bat, but when they would talk about elves. And yeah. Stuff. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. And in like in like pre flying saucer days, way before then, people would have encounters yeah. where people or magic people or elves would take them up to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my god, yep. these are probably that midway point. Like <laughs> the, the yeah, you know how they might appear to you is whatever you're seeing in current uh, yeah. common nomenclature and common whatever is the imagery yeah. for your time. I'm like, oh man, this is like when elves were turning into aliens. The cross, the cross section was yeah. happening. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, we talked about that during that. Uh, what is it now? A four-part series, Thieves in the Night, yeah, yeah. about like just the commonalities of the faithful and, uh, and aliens. Yeah. Yep. Um, that uh, I guess I'll go ahead and say this too. I have kind of an unnatural fear of Elf on the Shelf too, because of that very reason. <laughs> See, I hate Elf on the Shelf, dude, but those two little things are phenomenal. <laughs> well, last episode when we got together, Preston and I talked about Annabelle and also a haunted Toys R Us. Um, Annabelle kind of ended up being the real OG you know, haunted doll, so to speak. Of course, you have the tale of Robert the doll and how that inspired child's play and everything else. But yeah, we kind of really, we kind of exhausted haunted dolls all in one whack. But that's all right. It's still worth mentioning, you know, what is it about dolls that make dolls so fucking creepy, right? Is it like the uncanny valley? Is it the fact, like you said, they've got eyeballs so they're just drawn to the supernatural? You know, I could find all these stories of like, a hundred different names for a hundred different haunted dolls. Like, you know, Lee haunted doll. He sits on a shelf. And if you put any other doll on the shelf, he knocks them all on the floor. And, you know, Terry, the haunted doll who walks around the room by herself and all that kind of stuff, you know, but unsurprisingly, you know, talkie Tina from the twilight zone fats from magic, the clown from poltergeist, Chucky and child's play, Annabelle from the conjuring dolls are just all over pop culture. You know, I don't know what it is about them that makes them so, you know, rife for Hollywood and pop culture. But I mean, they're not wrong. Dolls are scary as shit. But even before Talkie Tina was saying, I don't think I like you. You know, dolls haven't only existed, but they've been, you know, found all the way from ancient Egypt and Rome um, all the way into present day, you know, culture. These things were put as servants in Pharaoh's tombs. They were aids in fertility, and they were also tools to teach your children, you know, how to be a parent themselves or just something a lonely only child could tell all their secrets to as, you know, some kind of super cheap therapist. <laughs> but in other cultures, you know, they're more than just dolls. They're art pieces or religious artifacts. So whatever it is about them, it makes them terrifying. 
And that brings me to the first misfit toy I want to talk about. Presto, if you can throw up a photo for me here, buddy. I sent you guys a commercial for Hasbro's Little Miss No Name, the most terrifying doll to probably ever grace toy shelves. Rob sent this to me via a TikTok where they actually show the commercial for this creepy little doll. Her name is Little Miss No Name. She was modeled after these orphan waif paintings of Margaret Keene. Um, this little doll had unkempt hair. She had rags for clothes and a permanent tear on her face that you could actually adhere by sticking the pin through the hole under her eyeball. And she had an outstretched arm with the hand in kind of a begging type of, you know, pose. This thing was just sad and just awful. And it's a wonder why they didn't sell off the shelves. Now, the narrator on the commercial says stuff like, Little Miss No Name is sad because she doesn't have a pretty dress. And you have violin playing behind and there's like a snowstorm. A little girl's looking through her window and this poor doll's out in the middle of the street because by then, you know, dolls are already murdering people. So do you, do you think that, uh, that, that I, you know, that nomenclature of uh, like the, they treat me like the redheaded stepchild. If you look at this doll with her red hair, her greasy red hair and like her red eyes. And like the shitty little <laughs> gown thing that she has on. It's like this like mm -hmm. little stepchild that nobody wanted. Like, oh look at her. She's so <laughs> pathetic. You should love it. So so fucking gross. Little Miss No Name. Give it a home, fucking plebes. Yeah. How how like the doll itself is scary. It's horrifying. But well, like it is, dude. The yeah. the thought that like orphans were so common that they're like, we should make a doll of those. <laughs> Kids would love to like yeah. just have an orphan of their own. Everyone should take care of one. Mom, <laughs> mommy, for next Christmas, instead of another little little Miss No Name doll, can we go down to the orphanage and you can get me a real one? I'll take real good just care of it. Just a real orphan. <laughs> I'll take her out and everything. This is 1965, so we're talking about Barbie. This doll came out to basically combat like the glitz and glam of Barbie. Little Miss No Name was legitimately like the anti Barbie. Oh, that's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently they didn't sell. And I don't know why. You know, the narrator goes on to say she doesn't have any shoes, she doesn't even have a name. You'll find Little Miss No Name standing in the snowstorm box at your toy store. This thing was so sad. The actual acetate on the front of her box had a snowstorm painted on it. Like <laughs> she literally is wandering the streets barefoot in a burlap sack crying in the middle of a gosh darn snowstorm. She's <sighs> fucking homeless. So you should buy her and give her a home. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, uh, and it even says on her package, I need someone to love me. I want to learn to play. Please take me home with you and brush my tear away. Which makes me wonder, like, could you remove the tear once she was happy and you gave her something besides a burlap sack that had a safety pin holding it on? That's what I was hoping. But I'm like, no matter how much the child loves it, she's <laughs> always going to be sad. Little <laughs> <laughs> oh, thing. That has to be the creepiest thing. And what's funny, too, here talking about, like, the relationship of, you know, toys and dolls and the paranormal this thing had the biggest bug eyes to which I wouldn't want it in my house. If I was oh, yeah. a kid, it would either have a blanket on it or I would have somehow lost it <laughs> by throwing it in the garbage. 
Yeah, it was kind of different from the like doll style of that time, at least. <laughs> like, it almost has a yeah. uh, modern, creepy American, but anime inspired type look, you know, the big <laughs> head, the kind of big eyes, but still almost <laughs> realistic. Like, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a little disturbing. I'm telling you, man. Literally, they should have made this into Annabelle. I think that would have been terrifying, and I'd have a lot of respect for that whole entire series. The, whole, like, the problem with the line was that once you buy one, you don't need to buy any accessories or anything like Barbie. Like Barbie, yeah. you got to buy her all yeah. sorts of different clothes, shoes, a house. Mm-mm. Little Mm-mm. Miss No Name? No, no. She doesn't need she, any. She's of that. not used to it. <laughs> you can make her your own shoes. You got paper bags. Sure. She don't need yeah. nothing. You can give her potato, and she'll be just as happy. She'd be stoked. So they never made any money, you know, because uh-huh. like Barbie was all about the accessories. Right. I think they should have dumped the money they put into this, and Hasbro should have just adopted a bunch of orphans, <laughs> and they would have had a hell of a lot bigger impact than making <laughs> this trash heap. Man, it's probably right next to a. That, that was my ahead. other my other point in the in the messages earlier where. Uh, there's so many orphans out here. Maybe we should do something about that. Oh, maybe we'll yeah. teach the kids to care. <laughs> maybe they'll do something about it. Yeah, right. 40 years from now, maybe they'll do something about it and we won't have this problem anymore. No, it's worse. No. <laughs> no, unfortunately, I think she's probably in the neighboring landfill to that one that has all those ET Atari games. <laughs> I think there's another landfill documentary that's going to come out about Little Miss No Name, and we're all going to be really excited about it. Um, They actually ended up doing some kind of cross-promotion. Gosh, who was it with here? I'm trying to figure it out. With some kind of like chocolate milk company, and they did a cross-promotion where they're like, you can order yours here. She has no fancy clothes, but with a tear, she'll let you know she needs your love for her to grow. And it was some kind of, I think it was like Highland milk or something like that. But for $3.99, you can mail away and get your very own 15-inch Little Miss No Name. I think it's Little Miss No Thanks for me, dogs. <laughs> oh. Up next in our story here, we're kind of crossing and we're merging dolls with potential murder. Next, we have a name I hope I'm not going to mispronounce. But it's going to be this really interesting Brazilian children's TV show character called Fofeo. And again, please pardon me if I mispronounce this. I think it's Fofeo. So, Preston, next picture, if you would, sir, just the one of him sitting down, cross-legged. So, Fofeo is a fictional character from the 1980s Brazilian children's TV series called Boleo Magico, and later TV's Fofeo. He was portrayed by Brazilian actor and humorist Orival Pacinini, who was asked to create a children's character for Bolio Magico. Now, Orival had never really worked with children, so he had no idea what he was doing or what he wanted to create. He thought, you know what? Kids like dogs. They like pigs. They like clowns. They like teddy bears. Hell, even, you know, extraterrestrial aliens are kind of big with kids right now. Even dumb old human beings can sometimes be fun. And at the drawing board, he just kept racking his brain. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to make? Suddenly realizing how successful Steven Spielberg had just been with E.T., despite the fact that he personally thought E.T. was a very ugly character with a disgusting physical appearance and a head that looked like an inverted So are those test 
testicles on his cheek <laughs> because those look like he's like rocking some ball sacks. On yes. His face. Yes. yes. How do I make ET without making ET? I know testicle <laughs> cheeks. Yeah. Even though he himself was anti ET, he still thought the character itself was very inspiring because the extraterrestrial had such great heart and very charismatic. So Orival decided to take all the ideas he had at his drawing board, mix them all together into one giant, weird-ass, creepy-looking creature in what resulted as Fafeo, which debuted in 1983. I can see that. Like, I had no idea. Like, look, I've seen this character before, and I'm like, that's the most horrifying, bizarre thing ever. But when you gave that list of influences, I was all of a sudden like, oh, I get it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I can see that now. I can yeah. see the, the pig face and the alien. I yeah. can even yeah. see his testicles when he was standing <laughs> over the mirror on the bathroom floor. <laughs> E.T., the extra testicle, hold my beer. Hold <laughs> my beer. I finally get it. He just doesn't understand children and combined all of his ideas. Oh, yeah. Hold on. It's extraterrestrial, not extra testicle? Ah, I made a mistake. Yeah. Uh, well, the character becomes this huge hit among Brazilian children in the early 80s. And despite looking like some kind of chipmunk with a giant scrotum for a face who's also cosplaying as Chucky, he ended up landing a couple of his own TV shows and tons of his own licensed products, including several musical albums and a really highly sought after doll. His show ran from 1986 to like 1989 called TV Fulfail. And we even saw the return of the character in 1994, running through 1996, with his final appearance being in 1998. So this thing was beloved by many people. Yeah, yeah. But let's move things over to why he's a creepy doll other than his appearance. See, at the end of the 1980s, this urban legend popped up. And it tore through Latin America about how the plush Fofeo dolls secretly had a supposed knife that were hidden inside the bodies of this mass-produced doll. And it has been hidden inside the toys supposedly meant for carrying out evil rituals and even being meant to be used to sacrifice children. Preston, if you would please, the next picture, the severed Fafeo doll on a... Uh, yeah, you got it, bike. Doc. You got it. Thanks, buddy. And as the urban legend continues to spread its way across the globe, the doll even started to be compared to Chucky himself. That's right, folks, the killer doll from Child's Play. Because according to the legend, some Fofeo dolls were even cursed. It would come to life in the middle of the night, and then the doll's head would supernaturally separate from its plush body, revealing a large knife blade that was supposed to be some kind of twisted spinal column. And then the Fafeo doll would repeatedly stab the child laying next to it, all while it was sleeping peacefully next to them, none the wiser. And you see in that picture there, it is kind of strange. You have the doll, you have the nutsack face and the pig nose, and you can see how it's got this really long spike, which is more than likely, Drog, you can probably attest to this, used to plow through the stuffing <laughs> and give it a little bit of support so the head doesn't just flop around. Yeah, yeah, I was looking into it. Like, yeah, it's it's clearly a built-in support for the doll. I don't know if there was some sort of internal structure <laughs> that it actually... There was probably a tube Step inside into. of there that it kind of oh, slid into. yeah, yeah. 
but a tube or a sheet. Exactly. So yeah, <laughs> something inside of there that kind of would hold it in. Bum, bum, bum. But yeah, mm-hmm. the image is particularly horrifying. Like it's it. Yeah. It's really iconic. Like to see that head with a little <laughs> spike sticking out of it. You're like, oh, that is that is nightmare fuel movie material. <laughs> It is, man. See, move over, Annabelle. There's a new doll in town. It's Fafea with severed head when, stabbing Jill. When you were reading the part about how the doll would separate its head and stab the child, I'm like, oh, and then it hides its knife back in the body and no one knows. Yeah. And then it's just yep. there. It's a, Bra- it's a Brazilian yokai is what this is, man. It's passed to the thrift store to murder another <laughs> child. That's how it got away with it for all these years. Oddly enough, as bonkers as the story might sound, in recent years, the mystery was partially confirmed when it was revealed the doll had a pointed hard plastic object as its spinal cord. Yep, when you took the doll apart, they actually did have this long pointed plastic spike that attached their heads into the body designed to anchor and support the weight of the big bulbous head inside the plush body. Yeah, precisely. (laughs) It's not the safest way to build a toy. Like, they could have came up with something that wasn't a spike. I mean, the 80s and 90s, safety wasn't really, fuck safety. Okay, let's get them toys made. (laughs) Fuck them kids. Kids are known for pulling the heads off of dolls. And if you make one that won't pull the head off it, you have a giant spike. Oh, dude, yeah. That's just, like, yeah. no one thought this through. Imagine the sociopath (laughs) moving on from pulling heads off of Barbie's to Fafeo, and he's just like, shink! Cha-ching! <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm surprised that's not... That's probably some story that's been buried in the annals of some newspaper, man, that's uh, that's out there somewhere. I mean, it's all in Brazil, and it was all Fafeo, so, like, there we wouldn't hear about it. We'd never heard about yeah. that, like... Boy takes creepy testicle head doll and stabs friend and eye. Exactly, because, like, <laughs> we had, what was it, the My Buddy doll, and then that became yep, Chucky, yep. And that was all yep. already happening and done in America by the time Fafeo was going on in Brazil. So, like, mm-hmm. there's no way they could sell this testicle-faced adult-sized man to American audiences. <laughs> like, Well, I mean, I'm sure it's highly sought after now. Oh, yeah. But... Oh, absolutely, dude. If a collect, I'm sure collectors are looking for those things. Like The Jeez, balls you want to play with, Fafeo. Yeah. I won't get into the gory details because we've shared the story once already, but there was a murder inspired by Chucky um, where these two kids um, kind of unwillingly led a third boy off into the woods where they beat the snot out of him, killed him, and then inserted batteries into him, hoping to resurrect him as their own doll. I have not heard that one. Wow. Yeah. If you want to know the gory details, just type in child's play murders or the murder of, um, Oh, what was his name? James Bolger back in 1993. Yeah, uh, it's a sad story, and I didn't have time to put a disclaimer up, and I wasn't going to get into it anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, Preston, I'm glad you brought up safety, because who needs safety? Um, do you guys remember Creepy Crawlers from back when we were kids? Yes. <laughs> okay. So even as a child who's probably like 10 years old, maybe I couldn't help but think, holy crap, this thing's incredibly unsafe because you're pulling out these little you know, metal trays that you put the goop into and it cures the little rubber monsters. This thing had a, had a earlier version from 1964 called the thing maker. Did either of you ever get a hold of a thing maker back in your uh, younger and more vulnerable years? No, no, no. I do have a, uh, Right here, a Dr. Dreadful 
lab though yeah which was the same thing and uh we have the all the original packets i made some with my kid last year no doubt they, Were they edible yeah i mean oh, as wow. in you I mean, I guess it's could, skeleton, right you could <laughs> eat them they it was not suggested after a bite but yeah. Like, wow yeah we did we made some and like tasted them and stuff we made a few packets because like my parents saved everything. We had open packets that were rubber banded closed and put in Ziploc I baggies in there. And I'm like, Amazing. I don't even have to open the old, the other ones. So I still have it unopened packs. for longer. <laughs> exactly. <I> still, <laughs> we weren't going to eat more. I'm not going to throw them yeah. away. So I just put it back uh, in package. Wow. That's amazing. I remember the commercial for that toy. That was you taking creepy crawlers and easy bake oven and slamming it together. And yeah, you made Dr. Like Dreadful. Multiple different things. You can make your own sauce in the little cauldron with this, you know, mix yeah, A and B yeah. and mix C and D. You could make this one. And mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. oh, God. Dude, <laughs> there was a mold making one. You could make a skeleton and like inject it into a mold. So I really wanted to do that with the kid. <laughs> it was super cool. I'm like, this is just like dad does with toys. Only we get to eat these guys. Yeah. <laughs> these are the few that you can put in your mouth. The Thing Maker came out in 1964, consisting of several die cast metal molds that resembled various bugs and monsters and stuff like that. You would then, you know, inject the plastic goop into the different holders, and then you'd insert them into a machine that heated up to 199 degrees Celsius. That's 390 Fahrenheit. 390 degrees Fahrenheit. Why in God's name would any child be given that? I hope it had some kind of creepy, you know, like pot holders that came with it, but I highly doubt it. So that's how you make men, you know, if you, <laughs> if you die, well, you're not the best of us. It separates the men from the children. Looking up stuff for this, uh, multiple times, multiple runs of easy bake ovens have had to be recalled over the years because they were dangerous and either like, yeah. Kids' hands would get stuck in it and then burned because they're, uh, they're like wired to heat the bulb more than it would normally, you know? So it runs on like a hundred watt light bulb that'll heat up to over 350. You plug it into 220. Exactly. But the bulb heats up to over 350. So like around it, it's as hot as inside an oven. Yep. And they would like kids are kids so they'd stick their hands in there and then like with the tracks and doors it was really easy to get stuck and then just toasted like oh my god i never heard about this like a schlotzky's you just stick your hand dude, right in i was like, yeah i mean kids are kids but like dude i don't want to even you don't stick your hand in there <laughs> yeah this Christmas, when I go to my parents' house, I'm going to have to pop down to the basement and see if they still have the thing maker. My brother and I had one. Um, again, I think it was probably a garage sale find. Oh, that's um, awesome. Unless my parents were just into making pencil toppers, you know, of monster heads. They might have been into it. I don't know. But, like, this Dude, thing. so rad. Yeah, Creepy Crawlers is already unsafe. But, like, thing maker was out of this world. Like, my dad would be like, all right, everybody stand back. You guys have to wait for this thing to cool. And he'd take the little, you know, iron die cast or die cut, whatever, um, molds, and he'd put them in like a whole different room. And we couldn't even go in there for like an hour until it cooled down because this thing was like unsanctioned, incredibly dangerous. But yeah, it's what was later bought. Oh, that's so awesome. I want yeah, one. Yeah, dude, I'm sure you can find one over on, uh, you know, eBay somewhere, but look into Not it. Today. I'm sure, I'm sure. I'm sure whatever chemical they use is probably incredibly, incredibly dangerous, full of lead paint. <laughs> 
Well, it's okay. We're going to take our Easy Bake Oven and our Dr. Dreadful and our Creepy Crawlers. We're even going to grab the Thing Maker and we're going to shove them in the backest recess of your mind because, boys, our final toy we're going to talk about tonight takes the cake on this one. The Gilbert U-238 Atomic Energy Laboratory. Preston, if you would, our final photo of the night. You got it, dog. You're the best. I try. As if lead toys and lead paint were dangerous enough, this toy was downright maniacal. And if you thought creepy crawlers and easy-bake ovens were safety hazards, well, the Gilbert U-238 Atomic Energy Laboratory seems downright terrifying. First off, one of the main components of the Gilbert Atomic Energy Lab was uranium. Like, literal uranium. This toy was released in 1950, and the kit provided kids with everything they needed to conduct more than 150 experiments, including four types of uranium ore, and not only beta, but also beta, alpha, and gamma radiation sources. Other fun instruments that could be found in the lab included a cloud chamber that allowed the viewer to watch alpha particles traveling at 12,000 miles per second, a spinthroscope that showed the results of radioactive disintegration on fluorescent screens that you could watch atoms decay, and of course, your very own Geiger counter. Among the various activities you could do with this badass playset, the kid actually suggested playing hide-and-seek with the Gamma Ray source, challenging any participating player to use the Geiger counter to go locate the radioactive sample which <laughs> their friend or sibling would hide in a random room in the house. <laughs> uh, the 60-page page instruction booklet also offered a guide to prospecting for uranium. That's right, kids. You could go on your very own uranium hunt in your own backyard. Wow. Apparently, it was already... <laughs> yeah, it was like, <laughs> I amazing, thought those right? were specific places. Like, you just... <laughs> Can I just go mine for uranium in my backyard? Yeah. <laughs> the booklet makes it sound so easy. Now, apparently it was already known at the time this toy was released that uranium was incredibly radioactive and that radiation was incredibly harmful, but that didn't stop the A.C. Gilbert Company from releasing these bad boys into the general public. See, back in 1927, Herman Joseph Muller discovered that radiation could cause harmful mutations, and he had won a Nobel Prize for Related Research in 1946, just four years before they gave out this playset to every nine-year-old so they could have their very own How to Make Yourself into Incredible Hulks kits. Uh, in college, so like with like Raku glazes and um, like Saga firing, I actually used uh, powdered uranium um, and a lot of Raku glazes, and I also used uranium oxide uh, to... Uh, get like different effects on uh, firing processes and no uh, I just want to say I'm still alive I didn't turn into the Hulk <laughs> and nothing fell off that's awesome I want to see what that I, I don't know that that was necessarily safe but uh, like I, I have like this Raku glaze called moon dust and mm -hmm. there are like certain sections of it that you get this very beautiful kind of green yellowish aura and, uh, yeah, that was the powdered uranium that, uh, I mean, it's like super fucking expensive, but the guy's yeah, yeah. like, Hey, you should probably use a resp respirator when mixing that up. And, uh, they're like, yeah, it gives off like gamma rays or whatever, but they're so weak. You'll be fine. And I'm like, okay. But then Just you're taking like, you're your legs. That yeah. 
Yeah, you're heating that shit up to over like a thousand degrees and pulling it out like red hot. Like you would think that heating that up would cause like the science, the scientists in my mind, like I would think that that would, uh, that, 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 that heat would cause a reaction that's uh-huh. unsafe. But I mean, I'm still alive. So I did it for like two years straight in college and, and yeah, I, so I'm still here. That's all I wanted to say. So, I mean, that, oh, have you looked at those under it, a black light? Do they glow? With the uranium in there, uh, like uh, you know, ura- I, I I never I, I never have, so that might be a that might be you an, totally should because uh, Wednesday I'm having a, a kiln delivered to the house. It's uh, I've recently gotten back into ceramics and stuff to be able to fire, and I have all the I purchased all the different oxides, so that might be something in the future that um, you know I'll uh, I'll get some uh, uranium oxide and uh, let's see if it glows. You know, yeah, because isn't not? it Science. in there uh, like that? Ura- is it uranium glass, that green glass yeah. that you see in yep. thrift stores yeah. and stuff? Yeah, and that mm-hmm. stuff totally yeah. glows in a black light. Yeah. Oh, I bet those glazes look cool. We'll give it a shot. Huh. Oh, yeah. I mean, wear a respirator, wear a freaking radiation yeah. suit, dude. Like, but, <laughs> but I mean, I want to see it, but like, oh, yeah, be safe, Safety but first. I want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> We've come a long yeah. ways away from the uh, US 238 <laughs> Gilbert kits, dude. Have some brains about you. Yeah. <laughs> also, do me a favor. Um, the first pot you make and that you fire up with that uh, uranium glaze, throw a couple spiders in that for like a weekend and then just drop one into my pants and see if it bites me and see what happens, you know? See what happens. All right, Spider-Man. Sweet. Yeah, come on. <laughs> that's my origin story mm-hmm. yeah preston made me this yeah. really cool pot and then a spider crawled in it and died and then i scooped the spider out and came to life and bit my hand and <laughs> now i'm spiders man zombie well, man zombie man <laughs> right well even after this guy wins a nobel prize four years later they still drop this kit to contain uranium as one of the main ingredients in the kit But that goes without saying that the makers must have thought about this strongly because they put a very strongly worded warning on the box. Because in bold letters, it said users should not take ore samples out of the jars, for they tend to flake and crumble, and you would run the risk of having radioactive ore spread out in your laboratory. (laughs) (laughs) Or living room, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. (laughs) Don't throw at your sister. Also... On the box, it said all radioactive materials included in the Atomic Energy Lab have been certified as completely safe by Oak Ridge Laboratories, part of the Atomic Energy Commission. But be that as it may, apparently the warning wasn't enough to stop the Atomic Energy Lab from getting shelved. It was pulled in 1951 after selling less than 5,000 units. That could have also been the fact that this thing retailed for like 49 bucks back then, which is somewhere around like uh, $500 to $600 a pop. So, I mean, like, I think you could buy a new Bonneville for that amount of money, too. So it's like, eh. Fuck yeah. Wow. yeah. That was probably, like, a better deal for somebody who wanted to train in that field as an adult yeah. than it was an actual child's toy. Yep. <sighs> yep. My brother years ago had a pretty cool rock collection. And one of the things he had was a carded chunk of uranium that was like shrink wrapped. And when I was a kid, I remember grabbing it one day thinking, oh my God, I read about uranium in school. And on the back of it, it's like, not actual uranium sample, just shown 
to give you an idea what size a sample would actually be. <laughs> I was just like, motherfucker. Oh, that's probably smart now. I'm sealed up and everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, oh, you can geez. still get them uh, on Amazon and stuff for Geiger counter testers and uh, to what is it to calibrate your Geiger counters and stuff like that. You can get particular test samples and really? stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> things that make you go, huh? Yeah. And exactly, they're all, you know, four people in the field and four people that are doing these things. But I'm like, yeah, you can still buy sample size things for purposes right. like that. Well, that's cool, man. I, yeah. I'd i love to see. I couldn't find any actual reports on, like, any fallout, pun intended, from this thing. So I'm from assuming, like, nobody got really hurt. But um, there's got to be something out there where some kid, you know, got some kind of poisoning or cancer from it. Yeah, I mean, like... <laughs> I got an an electric kit when I was uh, a kid. I don't know. I think I was mm-hmm. eight or eight or something. And you know, to learn basic circuitry and stuff like that. And we were in Japan on a military base, living in a big apartment building. They had like a, uh, it was like a building that was a single wide towway thing that was the dumpster for the whole apartment building. And so me and my buddies would go in there and find like TVs and VCRs and stuff that people had thrown away. And then we would walk down to the park and stand on the picnic tables and smash them in the excuse (laughs) of looking for electronic parts to like mess around with an experiment. But really, we were just having fun hurling garbage that we found out. (laughs) For science. Like that's really crazy. Yeah, for science. In the name of science is what we tell our parents. There was that story we shared, Presto. I can't remember what episode it was, but like there were people that bought like an or found an x-ray machine or some kind of um, hospital machinery and they broke it open and they found a bunch of like glowing ore inside of it. And they made like necklaces and jewelry like one girl put it on her face because it would cause her to glow. And like they all died. Uh, I heard. Yeah, I was like, I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's super sad. There's another story I a buddy told me about who actually lived over. Um, in Germany during the Chernobyl explosion. And he was telling me a story about like unrelated to Chernobyl. There were guys that found another like x-ray tech or radiation machine from some like defunct hospital. And they made like jewelry and they were like these like mafioso gangbangers. And they're like, man, imagine if we hit the streets and go to these, you know, mob meetings, we're in this glowing jewelry. Like we're going to get so much street cred. It's going to be incredible. So they put on these chunks of like radioactive rocks and they all died uh, shortly after. Must have ignorance. Yeah. <laughs> I know, man. Yeah. How'd we survive without the internet? <laughs> Glowy stuff's cool. You definitely want to wear it. And if you didn't know, you could die. The more you know, right? Yeah, right. I remember as kids, like, we'd get glow sticks and my dumb friends would crack it, yeah. shake it up, and then, you know, cut the top off and pour it on themselves at the skating rink. And I'm sure that was probably all sorts of toxic as well. Oh, no, I got it all over, like, so around that same age, whatever, kid, uh, had a glow stick, and I got an oral fixation, I chew on stuff all the time, I'm, you know, used to be a smoker, and I vaping all the time, whatever, but I discovered I was chewing on the end of one, for whatever reason, and it was Mm -hmm. cracking, and thinking now, it's it was just breaking more of the thing, it wasn't releasing more, but in my head Uh then, it was like releasing more of the chemical, and so it was going to glow more. 
the more I cracked up the stuff. <laughs> I thought that the breaking a part of it was the yeah, more stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I popped the top off in my mouth. Oh no. <laughs> like eight years old and ran to the bathroom and like closed the door and like glowing mouth all over. <laughs> like just, no. just spitting as hard oh. as you could, trying to clean it out, but it's just glowing everywhere, all over your teeth. <laughs> Wasn't there broken glass in there too? Wasn't it like a glass tube that you crack and that's what separates the two chemicals? Either that didn't get in my mouth or it didn't cut me up bad enough and I spit it out. Like I didn't notice that part. Okay, good. So I think there is, but I didn't get that in my mouth. But yeah, it was horrifying okay. at that age because I like was in there spitting out. And didn't turn on the light, maybe because I was in a hurry, maybe because I wanted to see, too. We'll call it both. Because <laughs> it was, yeah, oh, yeah, dude, it was glowing all up in the mouth. <laughs> my uh, my best friend from high school, one night we were over at, uh, you know, my wife's house. We were still dating at the time, but uh, we were out in her backyard with her parents. And Devin grabbed a handful of lightning bugs and threw them in his mouth. And when they all flashed, he bit down on them. And his whole mouth was glowing for, you know, several minutes. That is crazy. I know. <laughs> That's awesome. Savage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Savage. That's brutal. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, speaking of like running to the bathroom, screaming in toys. Um, I found this like toy dagger once at the playground. And so I took it home with me. And my brother used to put together model model cars. And I knew he had all sorts of like razor blades and knives. And I don't know what it was at one morning at like eight in the morning, I'm watching, you know, Saturday morning cartoons and I get this wild hair up my ass of like, wait, if I take the razor blade and cut this thing in half, I'll have two swords. I'll have two fake knives. So I grabbed this razor blade. I made it all the way around the actual blade, which is like super thin, like, you know, flimsy plastic. <laughs> and when I get to the handle, the blade stuck. And so I jerked on it and it split from the tip of my thumb all the way down to the back knuckle just laid my finger open, my thumb open, dude. And the instant thought was I ran to the bathroom, slammed the door and just looked in the mirror. Like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I mean, just cold water band-aids bleeding out. So finally I go to my mom and wake her up and I'm just like, mom. And it was just a whole fucking thing, man. Oh yeah. I'm, pretty, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I think my dad just super glued it shut. It definitely probably would have needed the stitches, but uh, I'm pretty sure dad just super glued it shut and put a bunch of, <laughs> bunch of band-aids on it. Yeah, I'm like, uh, I do a lot of trimming with an X-Acto knife on toys, trimming mm -hmm. off flash, trimming little uh, pore spouts and vents and stuff. And dude, my thumbs almost always have little lines from where I'm hitting, <laughs> either on there or on there. Yep. Like, if it misses or if you hit and you're with a razor blade, it goes straight through, makes a straight cut. They're not cool. Yeah, it's impressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I cut the pad of my index finger off once when in design school with an X-Acto knife. Just quick, yeah. fast, in a hurry. And next thing you know, I'm like, why is my finger so cold? And I look down and it's just a fountain. It's really Gone. impressive. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, buddy, thank you so much for joining us on this episode, man. This has been a blast. We got to have you back on again here sometime real soon. Oh, definitely. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, definitely yeah. a lot. Of, I love talking to you guys, talking to us. Yeah, likewise. And now that we got Discord going, it's going to be even easier. We don't have to keep on shutting off Zoom and loading back into a new call. <laughs> but yeah, no, this was super easy. Worked out great. Thank you so much. Most deaf, dude. Go ahead and plug your uh, socials too, man. Where can people find you? 
Oh yeah, I'm Baba underscore Drock on Instagram, and that's D R O C on Instagram, and I'm at Drock Toy and Novelty, all one word, D R A W K. That way, just so you can uh, pronounce the same, however you spell it. <laughs> Phonetically. <laughs> so yeah, Drock Toy and Novelty is where uh, you can get all sorts of stuff. I got quite a few pages of cool Hell art yeah. toys like the ones you see right there on Aww. Sean's desk. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and all over behind me, mixed in with all sorts of different artists. So Yep. Hell yeah. Yeah, come check them out. I got uh I think I still got Christmas all sorts of stuff discounted for Christmas. So come check it out. Shit, yeah, definitely. And if you guys are on the Instagram, check us out, PXL Paranormal. On Facebook, we are the Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. Presto, talk to me about YouTube real quick, man. Where are we at? Wow, 298 subscribers. Oh, like, shit. we're literally two away from like 300. What better way to ring in the new year and celebrate 2024 than to have 300 followers on YouTube? So, I don't know. Pay attention to the bottom of the screen. And when you see that little, you know, green toxic crusader you know come drop that says like and subscribe i don't know follow that fucking direction like and subscribe and share with all your friends that's all i'm saying 16 followers on rumble thank you conspiracy nuts and all you wacky (laughs) cuckoos out there we appreciate the 16 of you that are following us we love you keep it up share with all your friends uh four followers on kick i don't know maybe it's taken off maybe it's not two followers on twitch that's a thing it's actually up i think i figured it out uh yeah so uh kick rumble twitch youtube facebook watch the show live and all this glory or fuck ups like subscribe and share with all your friends so hell yeah yeah, now speaking of healthy stuff (laughs) <laughs> attention all bigfoot enthusiasts and fans of the supernatural we have a special announcement just for you introducing my daily naturals the ultimate solution to cleanse your gut and keep your body in balance picture this bigfoot roaming through the forest searching for the perfect vitamins to support his legendary physique well look no further my furry friends because my daily naturals has got you covered with the power of ozone and essential minerals your gut will be cleansed your cellular function will be optimized like never before but that's not all we know that a healthy gut needs the right stuff so my daily natural helps you repopulate your gut flora with the perfect blend of natural elements say goodbye to digestive woes and say hello to easy digestion nature is normal just like bigfoot himself that's why my daily naturals is dedicated to providing you with the finest most natural ingredients to support your body's balance it's like the forest feast for your gut and here's the best part by using promo code pxlpara at checkout you'll not only be taking care of your own health but you'll be supporting your favorite podcast it's a win-win situation folks so whether you're watching us on facebook youtube turning into the radio check out the comments or des- description for the link to my daily naturals remember my daily naturals keeping bigfoot and your gut happy one vitamin at a time and if you need a beard, if you want a beard, if you want to grow the best goddamn beard possible, attention bearded brethren, we have a message that will make your facial hair rejoice. We are introducing Big Dobbs Beard Bomb 2.0, the beard butter that will have your beard more swole than B. Man himself. 
Picture this. <laughs> you're strutting down the street, and suddenly, even Prince Adam, for you non-nerds, He-Man, can't help but be envious of your luscious, majestic beard. That's the power of Big Dob's Beard Bomb 2.0. But wait, there's more. Our beard butter is so incredible that even the toxic crusader, Swamp Thing, and the mighty G.I. Joe will be left in awe. It's like a supernatural team-up for your beard. We know you want your beard to be as strong as steel, and that's why we've infused Big Dob's Beard Bomb 2.0 with essential oils like Bay Rum, fresh citrus, mint, classic, and sweet tobacco. It's the secret ingredient that will make He-Man himself feel weak in the knees. And here's the best part. Use promo code PXLPARA at checkout, and you'll get yourself a whopping 20% off your order. That's right, a discount fit for a bearded champion just like yourself. Don't settle for ordinary when you can be extraordinary. Say goodbye to lackluster beards and say hello to the power of Big Dob's Beard Bomb 2.0. Your beard will thank you, and so will your inner superhero. Remember, PXLPARA for an amazing 20% discount. Get your hands on Big Dob's Beard Bomb 2.0 today and let your beard become the stuff of legends. My God, man, they get more and more professional each time. Damn, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I surprised myself, really. I mean, Alan, you motherfucker, I do it for you. Mwah. You gotta give me some dogs, man. Yeah, dude, yeah. hit it up. You got the longest beard in the room right now, Drock. <laughs> well, if you're in the Wichita area, please stop by see Leslie and the rest of the gang over at CD Trade Post, Pawnee and Seneca, and also check out Paranormal Egg Experience, Food Truck, and Paranormal.cafe as well. All right, Jarok, thanks again, man, for coming. We sure appreciate you joining us, talking all things toys. Yeah, buddy. Oh, it was man. fun. I like it. <laughs> Me too. I had such a good time. Thank you guys so much. Seriously, yeah. anytime. Anytime. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. All right. And with that, I'm going to raise this can of zombie monkey and say cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast at Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.